to Reframed, the Power Perspective Podcast, and I'm your host, Carly Merkleyer. As both a Christian communicator and counselor, I want to equip you with the tools and truths that renew your mind and empower your soul. So as we explore popular topics influencing our perspectives, I want to offer practical techniques for reframing unhealthy thinking patterns and provide step-by-step pathways for emotional and spiritual health. This process of untangling our thoughts is not always easy, but thankfully God's Word gives us instruction on how to reframe our thoughts, renew our minds, and redeem our perspectives in light of the gospel. It is this framework we will use to dispute discouragement, eliminate emotional reasoning, and empower our pursuit of the abundant life. So are you ready? Let's explore our current perspectives, expose the distortions we have come to believe, and grow deeper in our understanding of God's transforming power. Hello, and welcome back to the Reframe Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the challenging and often disorienting topic of pain and our perspectives on it, both from a biblical and therapeutic perspective. So this summer, I was asked to write an article on the process of pain, and I instantly thought of an experience I had earlier in the summer at the ocean. I had gone to the ocean with a friend and bought a floaty. I was so excited about it, and all I wanted to do was float in the ocean. I just felt like that would be the most relaxing thing to do. So as I sat there enjoying the views, um, a massive massive wave came in and it knocked me right over and not just right over but like it literally spun me under the water and I remember being hit and being swallowed up by the water and tumbling for a time and really realizing that I had absolutely no control and I just had to hope that I would come back up out of the water and in that moment I came up and I realized okay I'm alive one that's good and two like where is everything? I was very disoriented. My hair had fallen out of my hair tie and my sunglasses were gone. I didn't really know where I was on the beach anymore because I had been like pulled under and moved. And this is what I experienced physically. And instantly I thought, man, this is what pain is like, isn't it? Where it sometimes is this swift and unsuspecting just wave of emotion. And not only does it impact us when it hits us, but then it has a riptide. It has a current underneath and we get sucked underneath the water. And in many ways, we can all experience this in different contexts. But what we know about after the impact of pain, whether it be grief, loss, challenge, whatever it is in our lives, there is a disorientation that happens. And this is where we find ourselves really challenged in our perspectives. We have all been wounded, right, by this world. And the scars that we carry tell a story, one that can be powerfully influenced by our perspective. So it's in this disorientation we have to ask ourselves what we truly believe and acknowledge the pain in our lives, which can be very challenging Uh, It's hard to even talk about pain in light of the year that many of us have gone through. But I want to assure each one of us that I am not seeking 
to minimize or dilute this topic, but rather I really truly desire to bring validation to our distress by also providing a hope-filled perspective on the process and purpose that pain can have in our lives. You know, John Green, very poetic author, stated this. He says, good times and bad times both will pass. It will pass. It will get easier. But the fact that it will get easier does not mean it doesn't hurt now. And when people try to minimize your pain, they are doing you a disservice. When you try to minimize your pain, you are doing yourself a disservice. Don't do that. The truth is it hurts because it's real. It hurts because it mattered. And that is the important thing to acknowledge to yourself. But that doesn't mean that it won't end. That it won't get better because it will. I love this quote because it holds the and both pain and hope. And so oftentimes when we experience disorientation of the soul in times where God feels very distant, we can ask questions, the whys and the what ifs. Will it actually get better? Common perspectives of our raw emotions related to pain produce complicated grief, like depression, anxiety, and hopelessness. Pain has a way of breaking us. It takes our breath away just like the waves did, and they leave us with questions that reach beyond psychological explanations. But it's in this darkness we are forced to face our feelings rather than reframe them. We are called to cultivate courage, rest upon our resilience, and make meaning out of lost memories. We call this distress, the friction of loss which propels us into the process of grieving. Through my own grieving process, I have been brought to the humbling reality that pain is a part of my story that cannot be avoided or undone. It must be heard. It must be felt. Pain left unfelt will surely strangle our souls, steal our joy, and suffocate our spirits. Yet it's here we choose to press in or push away. Our perspectives of pain are formed. So let's choose a wider lens and broaden our focus of faith in times of disorientation. I like to call this the meaning-making process. This is taken from a book. The author explains that there are four primary sources of suffering found in scripture. Number one, pain resulting from our sinfulness. The pain we experience from sinfulness of others. Then the pain that results from a fallen world. And lastly, the pain that is experienced for the sake of the gospel. One pastor recently said, There is pain that is avoidable and there is pain that is unavoidable. I thought this was really profound because oftentimes we experience pain that is avoidable. And oftentimes that's because of our own choices. But then there is pain that's unavoidable that we have to face. And these categories are not exclusive, but often they interact with one another in our experiences. In unraveling our perspective of pain, it's important to begin with identifying the source of our suffering which can provide us with a pathway to make meaning out of our experiences. When we are in disorientation, it's so hard to see beyond that. And it's okay to not have the answers or to not feel really anything at times. 
Sometimes there are no words that can offer comfort in times of deep grieving. Sometimes we just sit with Jesus in silence and we wait. David talks about this in Psalm 62. He says, my soul waits in silence. And I think this is so profound because Oftentimes we need to pause and let the process of our pain take its full effect. So I'm not here to tell you how to process your pain or what perspective to take on it. Instead, I just want to share how I have and will continue to process the painful parts of my story. One of the passages of scripture that I've turned to that has really helped me create a format for my meaning-making process is found in the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1. And she gives us some beautiful steps that we can take in processing our pain. So let's step into Hannah's story and learn from her. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we get kind of a snapshot at the beginning verses of what's going on in Hannah's story and the, the context of her pain. So if you're unfamiliar with this story, Hannah is one of two wives to a man named Elkanah. And at the beginning of this passage, it talks about how they go up to the house of the Lord each year to worship and sacrifice. And Hannah goes and she's just grieving. And mainly because not only was she barren, but also the other wife, Peninnah, would taunt her and remind her of her lacking and her of her loss of not being able to have children, which in that time period, in that culture, was super significant. Um, very much aspect of her identity and worth. And so it says here, the first step of Hannah's meaning-making process is found in holding space in the here holding space in the here and we see this in her story it says in the end of verse 7 Hannah wept and would not eat and then in verse 10 it says she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly what I think is so powerful about Hannah's experience with the Lord is that it is so real and so raw and she's making space for her emotions. She's holding space for how she's experiencing pain. You know, anybody's process towards 
finding meaning in painful experiences always starts with stopping to identify the hurt and hold space for it. I must feel it, not label it or dismiss it or minimize it. (laughs) It's hard to feel what hurts, right? But giving a voice to our experiences validates them rather than displaces them. Hannah acknowledged the presence of her pain and took time to pour out her soul before the Lord. As I have learned to set aside time in my own life to hold space for the process of pain, whether in solitude or with support, I have found it offers me the gift of courage and strength and fearlessness. Going back to Hannah's story, and we see this unfolding of meaning-making in her life, the next step she takes is naming the now. So in addition to just expressing our hurt and identifying it, we need to create space for pain to be processed. I think there is this preconceived notion that we cannot express our distress to God. And this may come from our cultural upbringing or from nominal Christian culture, but I think it's important to look back to scripture and see how often and how many of the men and women that have gone before us in the faith cry out to the Lord and share honestly. I think of Lamentations, where Jeremiah wrote an entire book of the Bible lamenting and crying out to the Lord in his distress. I also think about Paul, how often in the New Testament he writes about the anguish that he experienced. How often do we name what is hurting us before the Lord? That is, maybe naming my raw emotions, my unmet expectations, or even my questions that are present with me in the moment of pain. So as we look back to Hannah's story, we see her hold space here and then name her pain to the Lord. And the story continues because as she's praying to the Lord, the priest Eli observes her, you know, praying to the Lord. And it says in verse 13, Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving and her voice was not heard. And therefore Eli took her as a drunk woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? This is such a realistic picture of grief. Hannah says, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have not drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul to the Lord. I love this because she is so honest in her expression of naming her pain before the Lord. This is what we see David continually do in the Psalms. Psalm 13, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Verses 1-4 through Here, David questions God's timing, his attentiveness, and his silence amidst David's suffering. How many times do I feel like David? Maybe you do too. We beg God to show up in the present moments of our suffering, somehow feeling as though he simply does not see us. But what I think is powerful about this is it shows our honesty in relationship to the Lord. We see the Apostle Paul do the same thing in 2 Corinthians 4 
When he names his pain, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. This perspective Paul gives hinges on one's ability to see beyond the here and now. He goes on to continue his letter by pointing back to the hope of what is to come. And so does Hannah. We see as we look back to her story, this third step that she moves towards is to keep hope there. Here is where I get stuck in my meaning-making process. I cannot stay in the here and now, in the pain and in the misplaced expectation, in the disorientation. I cannot keep my hope, my happiness, my wholeness in that which was never meant to satisfy. I cannot keep my hope, my happiness, my wholeness in that which was meant to be momentary. Every time pain strikes my life, I am reminded of how easy it is for my heart to hold on to things tightly. You know, Paul encourages the hope of what is everlasting in the ending verses of 2 Corinthians 4. He says this, So we do not lose hope. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to not the things that are seen, but unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I love how relatable this passage is. Paul tells us here to not lose heart. I imagine Paul writing this with such emphasis, knowing personally the weight of pain and suffering in his own life. This is why he also reminds his readers of what is to come. As I begin to believe that my here and now is preparing me for what is right ahead of me in glory. My perspective changes. If nothing else, I know that pain ends and that what is there in heaven will be beyond comparison to the joy that I have experienced here on earth. And so in keeping hope in the there, as we look towards heaven, we can take one step further and we can remember the then, the coming day when there will be no more pain or suffering. We see this in Hannah's story as well. As she prays with the priest Eli, she then moves out of this place of grief and pain. And it says that she went away and ate and her face was no longer sad. And then it says that they rose early in the morning and they worshiped before God. What I think is so powerful about this is Hannah's circumstances did not change. She was not given a son before she went and worshipped God, but she remembered God in this process. And she worshipped him despite her loss and her lacking. This is such a challenging thing to do in the light of grief and pain and loss. In knowing the end of my story, though, I can make it through the struggle of each new chapter. And for several years now, I've practiced going back to the end to make sense of the beginning. And I'm always brought back to Revelations 21 because it brings me so much comfort to know that God is with me and He wins in the end. John writes this 
In Revelations 21, verses 5 and 6, Behold, the dwelling place of the Lord is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things will pass away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This passage is so powerful in our times of pain, when we can get stuck in the here and now and not see beyond it, pressing on towards what God has called us toward in heaven can remind us of what is to come. Healing is to come. This is what helps my healing process. Knowing and believing that no matter what comes, God wins in the end and he holds my future. Pain and death will be defeated forevermore and my heart and yours will finally rest in the wholeness of God's eternal glory. But friends, I cannot pretend to know the pain that you are going through or that you've hold in the pages of your story nor will I attempt to sugarcoat difficulty of loss and heartbreak. But I want you to know I'm in it with you. Grief in its process is not linear, but as we pray and as we seek the Lord and as we step into what God has for us, our perspectives can change and we can make meaning out of pain. And so as we go, I want to give you four steps that have helped me related to this passage in Hannah's story. And I pray that as we step into this meaning-making process of the here and now and the there and then, we will also take these tools with us in facing pain. Number one, hold space for your feelings. Identify what's going on in your heart. And then name it. Name your pain acknowledge it, speak it out to someone that is close to you or just share it with the Lord. But cry out and name that pain, acknowledge it, validate it in your life. Number three, pursue prayer. I cannot stress this practice enough for it has transformed the way I live my life. For so many people, prayer can feel very disconnected and one-sided And so there's several practices that I'll talk about in the next episode about how we practice being with Jesus and how prayer can be a place of filling, a place of renewal, and a place of comfort and safety as we come to it with a different perspective of being with God instead of receiving from God. God is the source himself, right? And so prayer becomes a place of pouring out our souls like Hannah did and how David did and Jeremiah and all the men and women before us. Go to the Lord and pour out your soul and find hope and safety in that space. And finally, the last step and encouragement I have is to press into the power of and. So often in times of disorientation and pain in our stories, we can lose sight of the and this coexisting of emotions where we can experience both grief and God's grace, 
we can experience both pain and God's promise. And I think that oftentimes we struggle in our perspectives to be able to hold both because we've associated, right, with that faulty thinking that if pain is present, God is not, which is not a truth of scripture, right? We see time and time again, scripture stating that pain is present because of the fall. Pain is present because of sin, but God is in the meaning-making process and he is with you and wants to meet you in it and he can redeem it. And so I want to end with this reminder of holding space and acknowledging the and as we press in to what God has written in our stories and how God is going to be glorified in it and through it. We don't have to know the answers now. Maybe life is difficult in so many ways right now. But I believe and I will hold hope for you as well that he is not done working in and through us. And what we know is that he wins in the end, right? And that is what we can rejoice in. The hope of heaven, eternity, and citizenship is with Christ in glory. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Reframe, the Power of Perspective podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe and drop a comment. To access more content and to join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, you can visit my website at carlymarkleer.com. Reframed, the Power of Perspective is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed Carly's episode today, we would love it if you left the show a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really does help more people like you find the show. This podcast was produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Stephen Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. To find more faith-filled, encouraging podcasts like this one, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.